Good morning. It's so good to be with you here on this day where we get to lift up the life and the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Will you bow with me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we thank you for the beauty of this day. Oh God, as we come to this hour of bringing the word, we'd ask that you would infuse me with your spirit, that you would open all of our hearts, oh God, to hear this word. I ask it in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but my heart continues to be heavy as we witness the events of last Wednesday, January the 6th, when a mob that was emboldened with hats and falsehoods and racism laid siege to our national capital. And now we are in a continued state of trauma as we learn about the additional threats that are gonna come uh, before the election of um, Joe Biden on January 20th. These threats are aimed to uh, harm, they are violent, and they're aimed to dismantle and subvert democracy. The things that Dr. King gave his life for he loved democracy, and that's why he worked hard to make sure that we would all be included in it. William Faulkner said the past is never dead. It's not even past. Hate and violence and evil continues to visit us as we try to strive for a more inclusive society. Last week, white supremacy, fragility converged on the Capitol people from all walks of life. Maybe some of our family members and friends were there. And truth be told, what we saw comes from the reality that we have not acknowledged or persistently dealt with America's original sin. But this morning, there is some good news this morning and here it is. The God of history continues to call us to repent, to reconcile with one another, and to do justice. And God uses prophets. Prophets are called directly by God. They don't inherit an office or, or uh, have a position or a special appointment, but they are called directly by God. And they are empowered by the Spirit of God to bring the word to the people. This is the prophet's sole credential. So in 8th century uh, BC, Amos lived amidst injustice of his day and he cried out the words that echo to us today in this century, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Amos pulled no punches. He was direct and he was relentless in his criticism for it had failed to keep God's covenant and it denied justice to too many of its people. The God of history places Martin Luther King in the proud tradition of prophets, reaching back to and through his church to the nation during a time of deep division and turmoil. Dr. King was a reluctant prophet but he came to call out injustice of Jim Crow and segregation and discrimination and 
white supremacy and racial bigotry. But how strange that this modern day prophet would not come from the majority group, but he came from a people who had been disinherited and disallowed. How strange that people from every sector of the society educated, those who had been denied education, the affluent welfare recipients, students of all age, whites and blacks, men's and women who had been separated by, by rigid social and legal codes came together. King's message was broad and it brought together people. It didn't divide them, it brought together people for a common good and a common cause. King was arrested more than 15 times, jailed and dishonored for his protest. He was stabbed, his home was bombed. He received death threats on a regular basis. He refused to cooperate with evil systems and he practiced nonviolent civil disobedience and he taught his followers to practice nonviolence. And it changed the world. It was a game changer. Without swords, without guns, without bats, the walls of Jericho, the walls of segregation came tumbling down. Jim Crow was dismantled and African-Americans, we finally got our right to, the full, to fully participate in democracy through the ballot box and many white people found their liberation as well. How strange it is that he condoned all forms of violence, yet his life was snuffed out by a single shot from an assassin's rifle in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968. He was in Memphis leading and supporting the striking sanitation workers so they could not only get a fair wage, but that their working conditions could be changed. At the time of his passing, as time has passed, though I would contend that we have domesticated the legacy of Dr. King with the passage of legislation in 1994 calling for the King Service Act, the King holiday was transformed into a national day of service. Now, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King is the patron saint of community service. Over what we call the MLK weekend, wonderful days of service in the past have been sponsored by corporations, sponsors, religious groups, organizations like my own city mission. And we've gotten civic minded people to come to work under the banner of everyone can be great because everybody can serve. And that is true. We need to be reaching out and serving our neighbors, but we should not allow the one prophetic voice of the 20th century to be hijacked by the ritual of civic engagement, safely altering the legacy of a man who resisted violence, who agitated for racial and economic justice and freedom. Charity work is great, believe me, I do it but good works are inadequate to deal with the crisis that we find ourselves in. Community breakfast and gospel music singing is great. Makes me feel good, I don't know about you. We love it, but we're in dangerous times now and we need God's justice.
We need justice and truth-telling to confront white nationalists. We need justice that calls for accountability and repentance and reconciliation. We need justice to house unhoused, unhoused families and individuals and stop the 5,000 plus evictions that are in play right now in Massachusetts. We need justice to stop police brutality and state-sanctioned state, state killing of black and brown sisters and brothers. We need justice to deal with the long-standing inequalities that COVID has revealed. The prophet said, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We need to reclaim Dr. King as the drum major for justice. It is time, it is time, it is time to do something different. It is time to listen to the prophet. When King preached at the National Washington National Cathedral in March of 1996, nobody knew that it would be his last Sunday sermon that he would ever give. His remaining awake through a great revolution sermon has great significance and is relevant to us today, given the crossroads that we are facing. Reverend King tells a story, if you know this sermon, I love this sermon, about Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle goes up the mountain, and as he goes up the mountain, he sees the sign of a picture of King George III of England. 20 years later, when he comes down the mountain to see the picture of George, when he comes down the mountain, he sees the picture of George Washington, who's now the new president of the United States. When he saw the picture of George Washington, he was amazed. Rip Van Winkle slept through a great revolution. Dr. King says, one of the greatest liabilities of life is that all too many people find themselves living amidst a great period of social change, and yet they fail to develop new attitudes and new mental responses that new situations demand. Then we end up sleeping through a revolution while God is making all things new. And nowhere else, nowhere ever, have the challenges come to us as fast as they're coming these days. It's time to do something different. Listen to the prophet. It's time for truth-telling in our communities of faith. Quote from King's Sermon. I can see nothing more urgent than for America to work passionately and unrelentlessly to get rid of the disease of racism. He's saying this 50 some odd years ago. We must face the sad fact that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, when we stand to sing in Christ, there is no East or West. It's the most segregated hour of our week. It's critical for us to reflect on the possibility that God intends all people who've been created by God's image to learn and respect one another and treat one another as equals. We who call ourselves Christians must learn to share our lives together, our possessions, our power with one another. If we claim that being Jew or Greek or female or male is a reason for disunity, we must remain separate 
because we protect ourselves from having to face the deeper challenges and our woundedness, and we shield ourselves from having to change. In this moment, after centuries of complicity, North American Christians need to see how the norm of white supremacy has become deep and embedded in white Christian identity. Understanding the historical legacy of white supremacy and how it lives on today in the church calls for some hard truth telling and reckoning with pain and shame. And it calls us to the challenge of facing the false narrative of whiteness. This work of racial healing and reconciliation lies right at the doorstep of the church. It's time to do something different. It's time to listen to the prophet. Dr. King says, we need to learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will all perish as fools. He goes on to say, we're all tied together in a single garment of mutual destiny. I cannot be who I am to be until you are who you are supposed to be. We are interdependent. We are all related. We're the brother and sisterhood of one another. We are our brothers and sisters keepers, and we are our brothers and we are our sisters. We live in an us versus we live in an us versus them world, a very polarized polarized nation right now. We draw our lines quickly, assuming that it's safe and secure. But somehow this pandemic is showing us just how fragile life is. What Dr. King is telling us is that our welfare can only be found in the most vulnerable neighbor. Justice will not be guaranteed to me until we have built a culture that ensures justice for everyone. No one is safe until we're all safe. King goes on to say, this is the way the universe is made. And we must see this and believe it. Our job is to be activists. Yes, go to the streets. We need activists in the streets, but let's stay around the kitchen table and let's talk and let's connect with one another. Let's talk about self-sacrificing love. Let's stay engaged for hard conversations. Let's share with our children our fears and our joys and teach our kids about love. It's time to do something different. Time and time again, Dr. King said, and I love this quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Remember that because we have tough days ahead of us. The quote is uplifting as well. It's uplifting because it talks about hope. It talks about one day. And what we have to do is to take our hands and to bend that arc towards justice. I don't know about you, but I saw hope last week. I saw hope last week 
when brown and black people came out in record numbers, electing their first black senators, first black senator and a Jewish brother, both were headed to Congress, the U.S. Senate. But you see, hope comes with a little sticky note, a cautionary note. The note says that you and I, we are responsible for taking our hands and bending that arc of justice. It is up to us at this moment to take responsibility to do what needs to be done, Christians. We have to do better. We have to do more to heal the broken places in our world. We have to feel our anger and own that, but we have to turn that into something that is redemptive something that's positive, something that's gonna shift the narrative that hasn't worked for many of us. When seven o'clock comes in the morning, I wanna hit the snooze button and go back to sleep some days, but we need to stay awake, my friends, stay awake for this revolution. As Christians, we follow a man named Jesus who never took the easy way out Jesus did not censure himself for fear of retribution. He challenged the institutions that were oppressive of his days. And he calls us out to confront the injustices of our time. And in King, we today honor a man who paid the ultimate price to follow Jesus's great commandment. The commandment is this, that you love one another as I loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's time, it's time, it's time to do something different. Henry Nowen's quote is great and I wanna leave you with it. It goes like this. Love is stronger than fear. Life, stronger than death. Hope, stronger than despair. We have to trust the risk of loving is always worth taking. Our prayer is simply this, Lord, give us the strength to love. It's time, it's time to do something different, amen.